just producing beautiful restorations. That's not what dentistry is all about. Dentistry is all about building relationships and uh, building that long-term stickiness and loyalty. Where do you think dentistry is going in the next 30 years? I think obviously technology is going to have a huge impact on everything we do and that includes our career. And today on the Dental Head Start podcast, we have Dr. Padma Gadia, and she is breaking boundaries down. She's done so much already in her career um, and gone through a lot of challenges as well. And I found this conversation absolutely fascinating. So she's now working on a project that is incorporating some AI into the patient management side of dentistry. And I, I do think this kind of thing is going to have a bigger and bigger role. Everyone has a phone next to them all the time. Um, and often we're all, you know, we don't have time to do this or that. So dental monitoring of some kind is definitely going to play a role in the future. So this podcast with Dr. Padma Gadia, we talk about her journey. We talk about ADC exams, practice ownership, um, juggling things in life, including some of the challenges and of course, including having a family as well and then going into a tech startup, which is quite different to dentistry. It's all these levels of um, business that we generally don't think about. So I found this genuinely fascinating. She's a vibrant person doing a lot and will be doing a lot in the future. Stick around to the end. We've got Erica. She's doing Erica's Corner. Just updating you on what's going on with Dental Head Start. And also thank you to our sponsors, BOQ Specialists, DPL, Ripe Global, and everybody who sponsors the What I Wish I Knew podcast. If you listen to this when it's released, don't forget end of financial year discounts and it's tax deductible. So make the most of that now. Check out the show notes for OrthoEd discounts, Ripe Global discounts, or CPD Junkie for all the junkie deals we have currently available. I hope you enjoy the chat with Dr. Padma Gadia. Hi everyone, welcome back to Erica's Corner. A big congratulations to all the dental students who have just finished their exams. It's been a big year, but we're getting there, so stay safe and enjoy your well-deserved breaks. Our What I Wish I Knew segment will also be going on uni break for a month, and so we'll see you all back on July 22nd for season 2. From next month onwards, there'll also be some changes to our feature interviews. We'll be recording just one each month and focusing our efforts on making it jam-packed with awesome content. So if you've got any suggestions for guests you would love to hear from or topics you'd like us to cover, then shoot us a message. We'd love to see what you think. And just before we get into the podcast, this week's Dental Spotlight is a shout-out to the gang at Bad Dentistry, who perhaps don't really need much of a shout-out at all. But for those who aren't familiar with the term, Bad Dentistry stands for Biomimetic Aesthetic Dentistry and is the incredible brainchild of Dr. Bill Gurgis, Tim Maxwell and Mahir Shah. Tune in to our most recent What I Wish I Knew, where Dr. Chidham Capel sits down with Dr. Tim Maxwell and tells us what on earth Bad Dentistry really is. And if you want to see it for yourself, then follow the gang on Instagram at Bad Dentistry for great cases and even better memes. And stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear more about this month's giving project and our new partnership that we're super stoked to tell you all about. It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. 
To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. Dr. Padma Gadiar, thank you so much for joining us on the Dental Head Start podcast. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me today. It's um, actually going to be a really exciting chat, I think, because this is going to be stretching across a broad range of topics. So, of course, you know, you're, you're an immigrant to Australia, trained dentistry overseas, so you had to go through that challenging ADC time. You then started practice, you're a business owner, and now you're an entrepreneur in the tech space. All of that while having a family and all those things that we all do at the same time. So I can imagine there is a lot we're going to talk about, but I want to tie this first question to the tech side, like the future. I want to, I want to think about, and I often think about, what is dentistry going to look like in the future? Imagine a, a graduate, there's probably someone listening, they're at uni, they're about to graduate. What do you think dentistry will be like when they're about to retire? I think dentistry is already going in that direction of digitalization. And I think that's very important, automation, digitalization, because we want to be repetitive. So by the time, if it's a new graduate who's listening to this, in the next 30 years, there will be more and more automation into the work they're doing, especially the repetitive task. And uh, already we've got scanners and we've got the Cirex and the CAD cams and the 3D printing. So I think there will be some part or aspect of our work that will have a robotic impact as well. I don't think robots will be taking over dentistry completely because dentistry is not just manual work. It's also a lot of logic that we use. So I think, uh, you know, how the uh, surgeons use robots for some procedures and laparoscopies and stuff like that. So I think there will be some part of robotization that will come to dentistry. And a, and a lot of artificial intelligence, virtual reality, augmented reality, all that will probably be, you know, quite impactful in the industry. Yeah, I think I, I fully agree. It's going to change. But at the same time, we can't take away the fact that dentistry is a relationships business as well, right? We Our patients come to us not because of our fantastic dentistry, even though Instagram makes it look like that. Um, it's actually because of how we make them feel and the relationship we build with them. Um, obviously, what you're doing with Smilo.ai is um, is kind of in this field of, of monitoring outside of the actual clinic and the connection outside. I can imagine that type of thing is going to have a really big impact. So, I'm really definitely excited to talk about that. But let's just get a little bit of a picture. Of course, um, you didn't train dentistry in Australia, um, in India. Tell me a bit about that and why, why dentistry? I've always said this, dentistry was not my first choice. It was always medicine, but uh, I didn't get into medicine. So, then I chose uh, dentistry. But I think that's the best thing that has ever happened to me. I chose uh, the healthcare field because it was my mom's dream. But I realized as I went through, I'm a people's person and I love, um, uh, you know, helping, serving and listening to people, you know, building that relationships Uh, and healthcare is all about people. So I'm glad I took uh, the dentistry decision. Yes, I got trained in India, um, you know, all and all through a merit student, didn't have a problem with that one. Uh, but then I migrated to Australia in 2007. As soon as I finished dentistry, I was already married, so I followed my husband. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, husband in healthcare as well? Yes, he's a he's a doctor too. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I imagine. Um, well, well, 
doing the ADC, obviously I haven't done it, but you, you always hear how hard it is, and and it's a real. It sounds like a real stressful challenge for any any migrant. Do you uh, tell us a bit about that, and then maybe there'll be people listening who might even be about to do it. Is there any advice you have for them? Look, ADC is a process, like anything in life. Um, you know, now that I do a startup and a tech tech company, I I think lot of um, lot of perseverance that you learn is I, I have to thank ADC for that because it took me about a couple of years to finish my English exam, my theory and my practical exam. And I also failed once, right? Then I passed. So uh, it, it's taken me two years to get through that. <clears throat> but it though it's hard, I think it's one of the best things I have done, uh, you know, as a young dentist at that time. Because it helped me build my mindset about uh, how dentistry is practiced in Australia. Uh, how to be careful, you know, safe than sorry. The system that they have is uh, really elaborate. Uh, and at, when you're going through that, it feels, oh my God, this is a torture. <laughs> but I think to safely uh, practice dentistry outside in the community, I, I totally... Uh, understand why ADC follows those strict protocols and systems. Mm-hmm. That's it's fair enough as well, isn't it? Um, in the end, we are treating patients, and there's a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. So we, the um, administrators have to be sure, I guess. It's hard. It's hard, but it's not impossible. Uh, it's hard, but uh, it's worth it. Uh, and uh, I totally, uh, you know, if anybody is planning on giving the ADC, I totally support. I guess in the end, that's a bit like dental school, isn't it? It's just another challenge. It might be, you know, it's probably a different level of stress, I imagine, because it's such a pass-fail thing. Um, but in the end, we just meet that challenge and it makes us stronger, like you said. So um, so when you were going through that, of course, you couldn't practice dentistry at the time. Um, and so you chose to start your career, I guess, in dentistry as a sterilization nurse. Tell us about, like, why did you do that? Um and how did that go and what benefits did it give you? 2007, when I migrated to Australia, I had just finished my dentistry. So I was like uh, coming from a hustling, bustling, busy life at dental school. Coming here, uh, uh, my husband's first job was uh, at the Mackay Bay's Hospital in North Queensland. Uh, not a busy place, nothing much to do, no more, no, not a lot of options for shopping or anything like that. <laughs> Amazing beaches. I did all that for three months and I was like, I can't do this. I, I, I need to meet people, you know. I, I'm a people's person. I need to uh, meet people. So what do I do? So I go door knocking. And uh, uh, the only job they would give me was uh, into sterilization nurse because I think at that time I just came in from uh, India. My accent was quite uh, strong. And uh, they would only give me a job as a sterilization nurse. So I started my job in there and in four weeks I was thrown into the dental rooms because they, they were short of dental dental assistants. Uh, but I grew, I learned a lot during that time on all the protocols, the Australian standards, uh, the way you, uh, you know, communicate with your patients, uh, the way uh, dentistry is done here with respect to record keeping, with respect to, um, uh, you know, infection control, everything. I learned a lot during that time and then I, re, uh, I was, because, you know, uh, technically I'm quite curious person. 
I want to know how this is run. Once I know how sterilization is done, what was happening in the rooms, I, I typically wanted to know how is the business run here? Where do you get your ordering from? How do you recruit people? So because of my curiosity, I kept on learning. Um, and that has that helped me to uh, start the practice as soon as I finished my ADC. Yeah, which is really, I find that a, um, you know, that's a big quick step, I guess. Um, but at the same time, you'd already got that knowledge and clearly business is part of your life. It's part of your blood. Um, with the dental assisting, I'm not sure if you know, but I, before dentistry, I did about 10 years of dental assisting. So, I was in dental um, in high school and I was doing it as a part-time job. And that's how I ended up down the path of um, dentistry. So, with that background, I feel like that gave me a head start. And that's kind of where the dental head start name came from. I felt like you could pass on some tips that you learn from other dentists. So, I assume you would recommend that to others. Um, is there any advice, I guess, for those people who are, you know, their students now or something? Um, what do you think they should do? What type of jobs? Who should they seek out if they're trying to do that? Look, there are different opportunities for them from uh, working at a dental practice, dental hospital, or even uh, voluntary organizations. Um, but I think able to understand the process of how, um, because private practice is quite different to working in a public sector because there's a lot of uh, pressure on you to perform because patient is paying out of pocket and stuff like that. So understanding how, uh, you know, people's psychology works, how, uh, you know, uh, how you can communicate better to them and being a part of that system and learning what not to do than just knowing what to do, you know. There's more on the list of what not to do. <laughs> so maybe watching and being curious and being attentive. It's not about just producing beautiful restorations. That's not what dentistry is all about. Dentistry is all about building relationships and uh, building that long-term stickiness and loyalty. Because these days, patients have a lot of options. There's a lot of corporates popping up. Uh, there's everybody into marketing. So building that relationship is very key to build that stickiness. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and yeah, some things not to do and some things you learn to do. It's so true. Um, it gives you it gives you a head start for sure. Um, so so you did the ADC, you passed. Um, probably you know a big challenge. But then straight into business ownership. That sounds like a big challenge in itself. Why did you go so quickly into business ownership? And was it a good idea? Look, I usually am not a sort of person who regrets on any of my decisions. I'm, I'm pretty much like go with the flow kind of a thing. But uh, I think um, I was expo exposed to business from a very young age. So business was naturally a part of my life as I was growing up too. So as soon as I finished, uh, I did have a mentor with me uh, on that process who's also my business partner. And, uh, and I must say that... Uh, being being together just helped us on our journey really well. Uh, both of us could lean, us, uh, lean on each other's capabilities and skill sets, which were quite different at that time. Um, but getting into practice ownership straight after ADC, a good idea or a bad idea, I would say I'd give myself, if I was supposed to be doing it again, I'd give myself six to 12 months. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can imagine that just getting getting back into the flow of treating patients again before adding the stress of practice ownership. I can imagine that. You said uh, you had a mentor or business partner. Was that a, um, a, a dentist as well? or And were they more experienced um, in the field or were they also no, starting clinically, out? 
clinically, I think, uh, not I think, clinically, uh, he is super, super experienced and somebody I look up to even today. Even today, I have a clinical problem. He's the first one to get my phone call. Uh, uh, but I think from a business perspective, we were both starting up. Yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And that definitely makes the journey easier. But I also can imagine, you know, business and business partnerships are really intricate relationships. And there's a lot of stresses in, in lots of different ways. Um, how, I guess, how did that go? You don't have to share too much. But what are your thoughts around that, I guess? See, as long as you both are clear, you both or you are three people, whatever, you're a group, uh, you got to be clear on the vision. And you got to be transparent, open, and open to communication. There has to be a system around how you are communicating. Because when you're like two or three partners, the staff can also be, uh, you know, playing around with you as well. And that can be an issue. Uh, also, your priorities change as you go through. So having that uh, strict guidelines around the vision and your exit strategy is a must. Start with an end in mind. I talk about this in my book all the time. Start with an end in mind because, look, uh, you might only have a five-year plan. That's okay. It's not that you need to exit at five-year plan. But at year five, sit and um, go on uh, your re retrospective experiences and your future plans and assess it at that time. You might have another five-year plan. No problem. But have an exit strategy when you start. Mm, absolutely. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. It's um, I love that saying. It's it's um, it's a foundation, isn't it? So you you brought up the book. We may as well let's let's cover that. Um, I I haven't read it. I must have. I didn't have the time, and now I want to. I think <laughs> I would I would love that. That would be wonderful. It's called um, Buy, Build, Sell. You um, wrote that in 2018. Is that right? Um, so a couple of years now, um, and it's something obviously showing your journey through business ownership um, and and advice you have for people in that space. Um, tell us, you know, we, we won't talk about the whole book, but tell us maybe a few of the key things, the messages that you're trying to get across with that. It's just not about my experience uh, as a practice owner. It's also my experience as I looked, as I was looking to transition from just being a dentist practice owner to advising people on transitions and uh, you know buying or selling their businesses. So I had uh, gone through a few, um, you know, few transactions, or I had looked at uh, a lot of other businesses at that time, and the book shares on what are the key aspects that as a practice owner you need to be aware of before you start a business or uh, if you're looking at exiting a business, how do you need to prepare your business for sale? So you'd say the market, it is, it is for that demographic, so pre-ownership and then exiting concepts. Yes, I'm all about uh, practice ownership. I'm all about supporting people who want to go on the journey of practice ownership. Uh, but there is, uh, you know, I believe that... Uh, they, there has to be some kind of systems they need to realize what they're getting into. So the book just makes them aware of having the perfect, uh, you know, leadership mindset or, uh, you know, building communication, not just with the patient, because as dentists, we're constantly thinking about patient. But communication as a practice owner is with your team, is with your suppliers, is with your marketing team is with the right messaging that you might uh, need to have, the right culture that you need to build, the right KPIs and the metrics you need to figure out, uh, you know, how the cash flow is going to happen, how the accounting structure is. 
what's the sort of HR policies that you're going to follow. So it's multiple areas. In communication, there's multiple areas as a practice owner. So I just make them aware of that. I don't give any advice there. It's more about making them educate themselves in the in the easiest uh, possible way. Yeah, we, we, we get into dentistry and we, we're trying to learn all these different disciplines and then, then you add business ownership and it's just as many disciplines and, and complexities as well. Not, not that I own myself. What do you think people, what mistake do you think most people make when they get into practice ownership? What's one of the key things you think you could change for people? The first mistake I did, uh, I did. I wouldn't talk about others, but I constantly see this and I think I did it myself too. Uh, with the, you know, uh, being total candid with you is trying to do it all. You know, trying not to do not it. delegating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Trying yeah. to do it all, not delegating. Uh, you know, ev- uh, everything being dependent on me rather than having a proper trained manager. It's hard. I do understand staffing is hard in dentistry, but uh, as a leader, having clarity, vision, and delegation. This is what I think would have made my life a lot easier. Yeah, it's um, you hear that a lot. It's like you can build yourself just a job where you're stuck on the treadmill. And in fact, before we started recording, we did mention that that concept of time is our limiting factor. And I think the more you try to put in your plate, the more you truly realize that. Do you, delegation is not easy though. A lot of us are um, perfectionists and, you know, it's if you want it done right, do it yourself saying it's probably wrong, um, but sometimes it's quicker in the moment. Um, any thoughts on like how to break that habit, how to help? Like do you go one step at a time or do you just, what do you do? So most of us are clinicians turning into business owners and uh, clinicians turning into entrepreneurs. Understanding that you're wearing two different hats from the start and figuring out what your real strengths are. As a business owner, even if you're a clinician, that's totally okay. But you need to know your strengths. If your strength is with the patients, if your strength is within the room uh, providing dentistry, then you need to understand, okay, I'm a business owner, that's okay, but these are my strengths. So how do I complement these other things with somebody else? It could be an office coordinator, it could be a business manager, it could be a practice manager, whoever it is. Then forming the right team around you. And and David, it's not just in dentistry. Now that I build my tech company as well, the rules are the same. I needed to have a, a vision. I needed to know what my strength is. I needed to build my team to complement me, right? It's the same procedure even in the dental practice. What as clinicians we think is everything is up to us. We are the business owners now. We, it's all up to me. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to know this, right? I want to learn this. I want to look. You got 24 hours in a day and you need to have a balanced life. You don't want to burn out. So having that clear picture of what I am good at and what I can delegate and then finding the right people for that. Don't try to bring in people who have the same strengths as you and then you clash up. So having that clear roadmap on on where do I want to get, what's my timeline, what's my milestones, who do I need with me um, on this journey is super critical. Yeah, I love that. Again, end, end in mind and then also understanding yourself before you, you get other people to partner with you, I guess. It's, that's really, really good advice. 
You, you mentioned this is about buy, build, and then sell. What about the exit side of things? What do people miss there? Oh, a lot of planning. A lot of planning. See, uh, buyers these days are smart as well. So uh, before there was very less supply of dental practices in the market and you would get multiples, you would get any practice would get sold. These days, if you're planning to sell your practice, you need to start planning it at least six months in advance on how the practice numbers look like. Uh, Am I going to up my marketing to increase my new patients? Uh, What are my KPIs in the practice? What's my retention rates? Are my staff going to stay with me? Now, if you have a great practice with all these criteria already met up, you do not mind paying a little bit more, right? If it's in the good location, if it's got the principal dentist staying with you for another two years on a part-time basis to mentor you, you don't mind paying another 100,000 on that one because you know you're getting a good deal. But most of the practice owners leave it till the last. Their accounting is not done properly. Their structuring is not done properly. The practice looks run down. The, the website is like, like it, it is from the 80s. Uh, you know, uh, the patient demographic is not mixed, you know. So there is a lot of criteria that I see this in a lot of practices that I assess now on a regular basis that this is the story. Yeah, often they're they're phasing out before they've sold, and so they're phasing out of their potential exit um, fees or whatever. So yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense as well. So you wrote a book um, around 2018. Um, you're on a bit of a different journey now, of course, with the tech startup Smilo.ai. But there was a pretty big life event in the middle of this path. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, it was. I would say um, you know. It's a blessing, you know. Uh, I was a dentist leading a very happy life, two kids, uh, pra- uh, you know, on the practice, very balanced life, uh, social life, everything. And then suddenly you are hit with a health event where one moment you're fully f- fit and fine and over the next 24 hours everything changes for you. You never know uh, if you're going to make it or not. You can't breathe. You're like all swollen and puffed up. Um, and, uh, you know, they took me into the surgery and uh, it was, it was, my husband was just told that she wouldn't make it. She didn't make it. And I, and I then come back alive. Um, and that six months, David, uh, I could not breathe properly. I couldn't work properly. I was dependent and lying down on the bed constantly. I kept on thinking, what am I leaving for my kids? How would the world know that I even existed? Um, now, you know, I've got all the fancy goods and a fancy car. I, you know, I, I, had, I had it all at that time. But what's the purpose of my life? And, uh, you know, I, I started asking myself some difficult questions. And uh, the journey after that has been, you know, extraordinary for me. It's been challenging. It's not easy. Every day has its own uh, ups and downs and, uh, you know, failures and successes. But I would say it is one of the most, uh, uh, you know, fulfilling things for me in my life on the journey I am today. I could not, uh, you know, I, I could not breathe. So now whenever I come across a challenge, I ask myself, am I able to breathe? You know, on my worst day... On my worst day, when everything has fallen apart, 
I look, I stand there and I think, can I breathe? Oh, yes, I am breathing. Okay, that's fine. Tomorrow will be fine. You know, I'll make it all right. So it came to that micro, you know, micro thing of understanding how important it is to breathe. I could actually feel myself. I would struggle. My lungs were at hardly 30% capacity at that time. And, uh, and I could feel it. So now life is very different. Life is more meaningful and purposeful right now. Yeah, truly, that gives you true um, yeah, perspective. And I think I speak for everyone. We're so glad to see you're happy and vibrant and healthy or, uh, and, yeah, all those things. Um, but I guess it, it makes you think about legacy um, and in, in those times. And I guess, you know, to have a, an experience like that is quite a unique experience. So, um, yes, I'm so glad that you're well and healthy and you're, you're producing and doing what you're doing um, now with such passion. You start getting fearless, though which is good in a lot of ways, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a journey in itself. Yeah. Well, you said that's an interesting point. You know, you feel like because you've been through such a challenge and, you know, nothing, well, not nothing can face you. Of course, we all have those ups and downs, but a down is, you know, you can still breathe um, and it makes you fearless. Tell us about the negatives there. Is there a, you know, does that make you do things that you wouldn't do? Yes, there is a... One negative is I don't stop. Uh, I feel I'm on a high risk of a burnout uh, most days these days. Uh, so what happens is because you know your um, every moment is precious, you know every breath is precious, uh, you want to make the most of it. You realize that your life is very short, right? Uh, and uh, And the negative side of that is you want to make the most of it, and you're pushing yourself, whether, you know, there's, uh, you lose your balance a lot of times. So managing that uh, mindset for me at times, about 70% of the times I'm really good, 30% I lose my track. And that's being really honest and vulnerable with you guys. 70% of the times I'm super good and disciplined, but 30% of the time I feel I'm running towards a burnout because I have high expectations of myself now. I want to perform. I know I can make a difference kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, um, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and to be honest, I, I feel similarly. In fact, in the last six months, I've had a bit of a, I would say, a challenge with burnout around the extra things I do. And, and sometimes it's because we have these high expectations of ourselves and we push super hard. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people listening who are probably early in their career and they're pushing really hard to produce that perfect energy, putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Obviously, you've thought about this and, you, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge for us all. Any pieces of advice? Like, how do you pull yourself from that thirty percent back into the, into your seventy <laughs> percent? You need to be very clear of what you want in life. I see a lot of young graduates wanting to do it all, whether it is ortho, clear aligners, implants, um, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, restorative work. Don't try to put so much pressure on yourself. Know in what um, what sort of demographic you're working. And choose your niche. It's okay to only specialize in a couple of things in your day-to-day -day practice. As a dentist, you uh, you know all of us are really good at doing our restoration, like you know our class ones, class twos, class threes, check uh, uh, and cleans, and um, you know basic extractions. Now, if you want to go into the next stage of doing a really good um, prosthodontic work, that's veneers or crown, choose that. Take your time over the next two years to learn that. 
get into clear aligners, learn that over the next two years. Don't try to do it all at once and put pressure on yourself because you have to work in the dental practice. You have uh, to learn and attend these seminars and do the assignments and uh, pay your uh, mortgages and then start a family. There's a lot of pressure around you. Don't try to do it all. You have a 30-year career in front of you. It's not a race. When I, when I uh, you know, <clears throat> deviate from my track, I sit and then I talk to myself saying, it's not a race. Stop. Look back. Take a couple of steps back. It's okay. You don't need to be fast all the time. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the speed. It's about the impact. Actually, over the last three weeks, I've slowed down. I've slowed down massively because I wanted to reflect on if the, uh, you know, if we were going in the right direction. And I also wanted some time for myself and I wanted my team members to relax as well slightly. So, so that we can all, uh, because we are always on that, you know, we need to hit this target. We have to hit this milestone. But I wanted them to now go back, take a couple of steps back and say, good, we are getting there. But is there a more efficient way to get there? So you need to give that breathing space as well to yourself and your team members. BOQ specialists have worked closely with dental professionals for over 30 years and they understand the unique challenges that you, as a dental student or graduate, will face at the beginning of your career. I know they helped me early on as a dental student and they can help you too as they offer a private banking experience and tailor their products for dental professionals. I can say they have great customer service. I've lost my password that many times and they've always been able to help me. Nothing like the experiences I've had with competitors. So if it sounds like they can help you too, get in touch with them for a chat. For more information, visit boqspecialist.com.au slash students or check out the show notes for more details. TNCs, fees and lending criteria apply. See boqspecialist.com.au for more details. It comes back to, you know, setting the, the mission, the vision, but then also the goals and making sure all those things are in the right direction. And if you're always in the weeds of what you're doing, whether your know, goals might be learning different parts of dentistry, but soon you realize that your goal is to learn every part of dentistry and you forget that then you can't do any of it properly. It's, yeah, they're really good pieces of advice for business, for life, for everything. And I guess all of this, um, you know, we talk about our career with dentistry, we talk about entrepreneurship and, you know, tech startup and the business practice ownership, writing a book, but you also have kids. <laughs> How do you juggle it all? <laughs> um, how old are your kids? Nine and six. Oh, wonderful! Um, I can imagine they keep your hands full as well. Full on. How, how do you how do you juggle? Um, I think uh, we both, uh, myself as a mother and they as kids, I think we uh, have learned to you know navigate through with each other, and I've got a very good family and support system around. So they're not totally dependent on, on me for everything. So there is a role and designated person they need to go to. Uh, my sister lives in Brisbane too. And uh, she's a huge support for me on uh, what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, my husband, my brother-in-law, my both kids are like my support fans and my cheerleaders. They're always there. But, but there are times, David, that as a mother, I do feel guilty. Like uh, my daughter has been performing at uh, school um, last couple of days on a play. She wanted me to be there. But I couldn't make it. 
I couldn't make it, right? Um, my husband did, but I couldn't make it. I did feel guilty about it. But then the school holidays coming up, I need to arrange my work and my time with them. So I could not miss the meetings I had this week and reschedule it to the next week. So I have to prioritize. So balancing is very hard as a parent, as a mother. I'm sure you going, you, you go through that as well, that, oh, my, my son or my daughter is do, trying to do this. Uh, and sometimes they look super cute doing something at home and you're, you're sitting and doing your meetings. Uh, and, and my kids, because, uh, you, you know, everything is on Zoom now, uh, they are perfectly fine coming on my Zoom meetings. Uh, they sit, they come in and, uh, you know, they sit in my Zoom meetings. I've stopped being uh, guilty, you know, embarrassed about it. So uh, they're part of Smilo.ai. They call themselves the co-CEO and the co-COO of Smilo.ai. Uh, they test it. Uh, they, you know, they're like our brand ambassadors. They, are, they test it all the time. They use it all the time. They love it. My, my daughter has a really a deep bite. And, uh, you know, she's going through that ugly ducking face. Uh, face. So she uses the design my smile and she's like, I want to have perfect, beautiful things <laughs> like this, mommy. When can I have it? So that was really good. I could take her to the orthodontist. So they, I've made them part of everything I do. My book, uh, you know, at different uh, places where we had the stalls and uh, we had the, uh, you know, demos and stuff. They were the ones who were actually selling the books. So writing. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Writing the book, my daughter put me on strict timelines. She would measure it, write <laughs> thousand words. So everything that we do right now, we involve them as well. So that gives them a chance to see what the experience is. They can learn a bit about leadership and entrepreneurship as well. Uh, and probably they can make decision what path they want to take in life. That's it. Well, like you said, you know, your exposure to business early on is a big part of your driver in business now. And like, there's no doubt they're getting their like um, undergraduate MBA or something at the moment. So I, I think that that's wonderful. But at the same time, like you said, there are, you know, depending on your goals, you, you can, you only have 24 hours in a day, as you said, I think before we started. So you, you have to set the goals and make sure that's the life that you want and, and, and plan that properly but that's really really good advice so they're the little ambassadors to smilo.ai um tell, well let's get onto that tell us a bit about what what is it uh, it's an ai powered uh, virtual care platform i saw that uh, you know the selfie culture was on the rise people wanted personalization so i was like how can we make uh, dentistry more fun because you know dentistry is associated with pain cost anxiety all that kind of things. Uh, you know, there's more than 50% of Australians who don't get, uh, who don't access dental care on a regular basis. And the rest, 50% who actually go to the dentist, the average is they go to the dentist every 18 months. So I was like, how do we make dental care more fun? So then I was like, okay, there's phone in the hand. I myself don't go to bed without having a phone beside me. Uh, the phone is like, I go uh, everywhere I go, my phone is with me. So I was like, why don't we use the power of smart mo smartphone technology here? So basically, uh, with the smilo.ai, we take mouth selfies. Patients can take that themselves. And uh, the, our AI engine that we've trained assesses it. 
right now we give um, assessment for or a pre-screening for dental decay and gum disease and also we design instant smiles that's like you know playing a game and patients can see their smiles sitting at home it's all about driving uh, case conversions driving patients into the dental practices and increasing their knowledge and education and communication yeah it's and you're putting those that thought of dentistry in their mind more than like it's easy to forget especially if they don't have any pain and then you know doing the smile design you can give them the ideas that things can change i guess if they want but also obviously the ai picking up um any disease is is a pretty critical concept what's the what's the long-term vision for smile Look, we, I believe that uh, half the problem with dentistry is it's not accessible and scalable at the moment. We, we are totally dependent on uh, uh, our HR, that is the human workforce there. So the long-term vision with uh, Smilo is how we can scale it to even underprivileged countries. Uh, people in underprivileged countries don't even have access for a proper consultation, forget uh, treatment. So we want to make dental care easy, accessible, and affordable for everybody, right? So, uh, and make sure that in between appointments as well, they can remotely monitor themselves. Otherwise, uh, if you look at the record keeping in dentistry, every time a patient's come in, we don't take their intraoral photos. We don't have anything to do a retrospective study on how things have changed. We'll probably take photos every two to three years and sometimes not even that much, right? So how are we going to educate the patient on that one? So this is like their own portal. They can do it from home. They can see what it is, be more curious. Uh, if there is something they find, they can come and get that fixed at an early stage. Look, if there is nothing, it's fine. But if they could find something early that could, uh, that could uh, eliminate pain in the future, pain... Uh, in like pain and pain of paying for it, both. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? The two types of pain in dentistry, yeah. yeah. So that was my vision around it and uh, how could we make dentistry more um, uh, friendly and more reachable um, and uh, without being uh, judgmental, they could sit from the comfort of their home on a couch and get this done with a click of a button, right? Everybody's on their phone. So it was all about making dentistry fun. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of the one of the concepts I, when I think about it, when I look at the um, what it is, I think about the patients that often the hardest thing for the anxious patient is the first appointment. It's yeah. the contact. It's the reach out, and that's why you know ten years ago they went to the dentist and they've had this niggling problem, but never bad enough to call. But that's why you see them when they're in pain. So that or you know or a life events making them go and get a checkup for whatever reason. But the it's it's usually that first event. Once you get through the first event, you meet them, you make a relationship of some on some level. Most patients convert to becoming a more regular patient. So if you can break that barrier without them physically coming into the practice, that's um that's game changing in my eyes. Of course, uh, look, our case studies have been in areas of patients with anxiety. Uh, we had a twenty three year old. Uh, not, uh, you know, she had all her teeth decayed the last time she'd been to the dentist when she was like eight or nine years old. And uh, she could see what her possibilities were with Smilo. And uh, she, she came into the dental practice and she opened up. Of course, there's a lot of work from a dentist side with communication. 
But now because she knew what was going on and what her possibilities were, she was much more confident in coming in. Right. So that was one of our case studies that was really helpful. Um, of course, uh, you 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 know that there's a lot of uh, website dropouts. Uh, we we spend a lot of money for Google Ads and all this SEOs and people come into the website and they drop out because of navigation or uh, website not being too intuitive. So with our uh, web, uh, you know, Smilo.ai web widget, we offer them virtual consultations when a patient comes on the website as well. So that is one of our product lines. We use the same concepts there. So we've, we've been seeing that our partner practices have been uh, getting about three to five new patients a month because of that. The other case study we've seen is in the r- regional and rural areas where they have to come and see a dentist, uh, a travel like for four hours to come a dentist. Using our platform, they could easily communicate with each other and schedule because the dentist knew what the patient uh, had well in advance. The patient was very well educated in knowing what their possibilities were. So the communication became very easy. So there are a few more case studies that we are working on at the moment. We're planning on partnering with a few universities to, uh, you know, do some, you know, some research and trials. It's been a full on year for us at Smilo. We are TJ approved as well. We're working on our HIPAA seal at the moment. So... Uh, we've got uh, the compliance side. Yeah. We've got few patents yeah. lined up um, and already submitted. So I've learned a lot about corporate governance and uh, building uh, not just a business, but I'm learning to build. How how do you build a corporate now? Yeah, exactly. The the this tech startup in a healthcare space is a um, amalgamation of a million different things, particularly the compliance side of things. You know, you've got two customers in a way, so you've got the patient and then the dentist. Just um, let's take a little step back because I just want to make sure everyone listening is clear on what it is. The There is um, basically the patients can download the software, they can um, design a smile, but then they can actually take photos and the AI will suggest whether um, or give an indication on whether there's a disease of decay or or gum disease at this stage. Um, What's the the, um, patient journey from there? And then also if you could just expand on what interaction does a dentist have with it and what's the benefits to the dentist? So there is uh, two sorts of journeys. Uh, One is we have uh, three product lines at the moment. One is through the web that uh, we are lending to the dental practices to put it on their websites to drive more patient conversions, not just uh, lead generation, but conversions. So uh, when a patient goes through the journey, submits the information, all that goes and sits on the dentist dashboard as well and they receive reports. The, The... the differentiating factor uh, with Smilo.ai is two things. We give instant results uh, with real-time insights and we, we follow the selfie culture. We don't get the patient to use any hard device or uh, any hardware or anything like that. We, help, we get them to do with their selfie culture that they are used to. So these are the two main things. Then when the patient downloads the app, there's two aspects to the app. They can go to the app store and download the app or each practice is given a particular QR code for their patients so that all the patient's details come to their dental practices. Right? So the patient downloads the app, fills in the information. We do have our medical e-history forms in there um, and the patient takes the intraoral photos 
And after that, we make some personalized recommendations as well for the patient. And based on that, they can then go and book an appointment with the, one of our de- partner dental practices. Yeah, yeah. So from so a dentist point of view, yeah, yeah. And from a dentist point of view, I guess in, in one big aspect of it is if you're a partner, you're, it's a marketing tool for new patients. It's, it's definitely a marketing tool for new patients, but also a marketing tool to their existing patients especially to those who have not regularly visited their practice and also an additional value add to their practices, uh, regular patients, that you are adding a value at no cost and giving them a chance to monitor themselves. You know, the ones who come to the dental practice every six months, they are like really good ones. When you add a value to them saying that I'm not going to charge you anything extra, but you can monitor your dental dental health every four to six weeks and I'll be getting the reports and I'll assess and I'll communicate with you if there is anything. Yeah. So the vision yeah, is to see them doing this in a regular fashion, four to six weeks. And so you can keep an eye on things, but you also then, I guess, have a database of photos and watch changes as well. Um, I find that to be a really useful tool. That's the whole point why it all started, David. But when you start a business... You need to think about the commercialization start uh, side of things as well. It's like any dental practice as well. You just can't do dentistry because you want to serve the patients. You have to run the show as well of paying your bills and paying your labs and staff. So while it started with the thing that you said, you know, educating patients, getting them more aware, keeping them in control, bringing that transparency, making dentistry affordable, accessible, we also had to think about the commercialization side of things. So as we then thought about it, then we had to differentiate into different product lines, different markets, uh, how we are going to be going international. So all that needed to be thought about. Yeah, it's not as simple as it sounds, and obviously the the initial idea can evolve. the The first MVP, the, the viable product, can evolve, and I'm sure you're learning all of that on the go. Tell us, um, any advice for anyone? There's a lot of people who listen. I'm sure that they're they're quite engaged with dentistry, or they're engaged with, um, you know, in in the way that we are. We like building things. We like doing things, and it's not always specifically our dentistry. Any advice for the budding entrepreneur or someone who wants to go and start something? Do it. Yeah. Do it. Simple. Don't, don't do it. Don't give up on your dream. You've got one life. Do it. Um, but do not do it with an expectation to only succeed. Even today, I'm here to learn. Success will come, but I'm here to learn. Every morning, I'm, I get up from the bed asking myself, what am I going to learn some, learn today? That's my one question I ask myself every day. So if I do not have the expectation to only succeed, I think I am in a much more better position to succeed and have the open mindset for it. Be ready to go and ask for advice. Be ready to fail. And uh, don't let your ego come in between. If you want something, go and ask for it. The best, the worst answer is no, but the best answer is in 90% of the cases, everybody wants to help you. So whatever it is, have a plan, have a clear plan and uh, know your goal and go and do it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for day after. The timing is never going to be perfect. Share your ideas with the people you trust. Ask them for a feedback. Uh, feedback survey is always going to be part of your entrepreneurship journey. 
So always go out there. Don't hesitate to ask difficult questions. Don't hesitate to answer any difficult questions. Uh, don't take it personally because entrepreneurship is not just about being personal. It's about solving a problem. It's all about the impact and the change that you're going to bring in the world. So don't take something personally. It's a journey. Enjoy it. That's right. And um, Padma's saying that with a huge smile on her face. So like clearly, if you are someone who is eager to do these kinds of things, it, it does bring a lot of joy. It's obviously extremely hard work and there's ups and downs and it's not all easy and it's not all success. But actually, one of the things you said that I really love and really, really resonate with is you switch that goal from success in some way to learning. Like what did you learn? What did you gain in that way? What did you give? Who did you help? Success in the traditional terms, perhaps it's monetary or some other value, that'll come if all those things are done right. So that's a really actually beautiful advice. And uh, one more thing, David, have a really good support system around you, whether it's your mentors, whether it's your family, uh, whether it's your peers. Uh, you don't need to have 100 different people around you. Choose the three or five people that you can go to because entre entrepreneurship is... Uh, quite uh, uh, tough, quite tough mentally because there are more failures than successes, to be honest. There's more learning than actually uh, seeing a monetary uh, gain. So you need to be mentally strong for that and you need to have people who are not going to be judging you and you can lean on them when things are not going right. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's the same. Yeah, even if entrepreneurship or in your own practice or dentistry, it's always having that support team and mentors and, and yeah, critical stuff. If you go alone and start to become isolated, you'll wake up one day and realize that you're lost without someone to turn to. So true. Absolutely. I want to ask a, a few um, final questions. We're going to wrap it up soon. Um, one of the things I, I do notice or did read is that obviously in this journey you're on, a tech business doing AI, that sounds to me very complex. It sounds like something I don't understand and therefore something I might not pursue from that entrepreneurial side of things. Um, but you're not the technical founder. So how did you navigate that and um, you know, was any advice with that? <laughs> I had learned from my business ownership, David, that I don't need to know it all. Luckily, today, over the last, uh, you know, 12 to 15 months and journey into this one, I've learned a lot of new things. I'm a very quick learner and uh, my tech team and my tech co-founders are really very happy with how I've progressed with the answering all the <laughs> questions. I'm a very solution-focused person. So the uh, value I bring to the table is I take a problem and how do I do this in the much more, uh, in a... I need a solution for this, but I need a simpler way to do it. So the tech team that I work with is fantastic. They're great in doing that. So I had to go and find people for that um, and with the sort of skill set. And I have to thank um, uh, both my CTO and my tech team uh, for, um, uh, you know, trusting in me, trusting in the vision and working for it tirelessly. So... Uh, going and finding the team was very hard because there's so much tech talent out there. Uh, having uh, the right developers, having the right uh, graphic team, the, uh, having the right AI engineers, all working together in synergy, knowing the vision has been the most uh, important uh, thing. But I must say thanks to my 
practice ownership journey i knew uh, that uh, there will be challenges there uh, you know finding the right people uh, would have would be the key and that's what i first invested in i i found the right people to um, you know tag along around um, or support me in this journey so my tech team is fantastic and i have 100% faith in them and they have 200% faith in me it's um yeah I, even in the little things i do and have a a few devs working with us with some of the stuff and if once you find the good devs you, you just hold on to them for dear life because they're wonderful yeah. um <laughs> so obviously through this journey you know all the different things you've done there's been some challenges ups and downs um is there anything you can think back and would you change or do you think that this journey has put you where you are look uh, on a bad day i would probably say uh, i would i why did i get into this one because <laughs> like you said ai was complex um, i did not think it is this complex to be honest when i started i'm somebody like okay i did some ground work on it i knew where ai was in world uh, but i did not realize how complex it can get in the healthcare sector because of the compliance and the, the regulatory stuff that is involved uh because every feature feature that we bring in we have to think about oh so does uh, this comply with gdpr does this comply with hipaa does it uh, comply with the tga regulation that we have here is the regulation going to change in the next 2 years to come right so you have to think you have to think from cyber security point of view which we as dentists hadn't thought about when a patient walks in patient has a problem we sort that problem we have a strict protocol of uh, you know taking x-rays doing a few tests communicating different treatment options doing one of them and billing the patient it's a very straightforward but when you're building a tech uh, software you have you have multiple other things and especially a ai one because it's totally dependent on um, uh, data the more cleaner the data the better what you put you know all those kind of things you are learning as you go uh, you are training good data sets uh, and deidentifying it this multiple things that go on to uh, building a ai technology company and initially it was like will the technology work okay then uh, once we knew that the technology is working the next it was like how do we make it more patient centric right because our product is we want to be a patient management software not a practice management so how do we make it more patient centric then it's now now like how do we grow this how you know uh, is it more sales is it uh, different uh, locations do we is australia the right market should we be in a different market right now it's a totally different you know evolution as you go building a tech company a software uh, an ai it's it's more complex than i actually put my hand into <laughs> yeah I, i can well imagine and hearing you explain it that makes so much sense but it's a journey and and it's interesting you take one step at a time and you just keep stepping um and and that's what we've been seeing over the last 15 to 18 months with you and and building smilo.ai i think it's it's um it's inspiring and the most important thing david is ai is still new to dentistry so there is a lot of educational process which i have which uh, our team has come out in the last couple of months that uh, we realized that ai is pretty new whether we are talking about ai in uh, computer vision on what we are doing or ai in radiology uh, ai in uh, scanners it's still very new people still don't know 
uh, how the AI is helping them, what the AI is really doing. Of course, we work in that area. The moment I see something, I know, oh, this is using this and this is using this and this is how it is being done. That's because I've been working in this area now. I've seen different uh, uh, aspects of it. So in the last two months, our huge focus has been around messaging. Uh, we have our internal team working on the right uh, messaging, content, education, on how we can make it more simple and easy to understand. Even from for the clinicians, forget the patients. For patients, it's all about convenience and transparency and control and affordability. But for clinicians as well, how do we tell them this is reliable? This is okay to use. It's like any um, paradigm shift. It always takes time for the, the population to understand and to, and to shift towards it. I guess, and you've got to just be on that cutting edge for long enough for that shift to happen, which is <laughs> a challenge. Two more questions. One is what advice would you give yourself if you could look back and tell yourself something, anything from um, when you immigrated to Australia in the ADC all the way through to starting Smilo.ai, what piece of advice would you have given yourself? I migrated in 2007, but I started my journey into mentorship. Like, you know, I started seeking out uh, mentorship in 2016, 2017. So I feel if I were to go back, one thing that I would change is find mentors at a very early age. Um, as soon as I, as I graduate. What do you mean? So how how do you suggest people go and find this? Because it's obviously it's a really good um, you know suggestion. I fully agree. Um, but sometimes there's a barrier. What would you do to go find those mentors in the space you're looking at? Depends if you're looking for a clinical mentor, a business mentor, an entrepreneurial mentor, a financial mentor. Because not because you're just a dentist means you need to find a clinical mentor. You might be interested in trading, whether it's uh, into shares or forex or crypto. Find a mentor there. If uh, I were to do it, look, this is me. My personality is very different. I would actually look for the four or five that are really good in the industry, four or five that I, I know, look, I, you know, they're in local proximity. I'd start attending their seminars or webinars and then one day go and ask them, look, I need mentorship here. This is my uh, two-year goal. This is my five-year goal. This is my 10-year goal. Can you help me out? What's the worst thing that can happen? They'll say, no, that's fine. I'll go to the next one. That's fine. No hard feelings. It's, it's right. I'll still learn from your content. Yeah. I think the answer, and I love it, is simply that you actually reach out, like you make the effort. And you said, you actually didn't say you just go and ask them. You said you give them your plans and your concepts first and then show them that you're actually someone who's eager and willing and ready. Um, you know, Make it easy for them and most people will turn around and, and help you, I think. Um, that's what I've seen. Look, uh, in a dental industry, a lot of people already knew me, David. So because I had worked over the last two years heavily on, uh, you know, my presence and marketing and stuff, getting into the innovation world, uh, especially with the, in, uh, you know, during the COVID space, because Smiler.ai was chosen for the River City Labs uh, Activator uh, Program. We were part of UN and Draper University Program. It's, it's you know, I was, I would say, the success that we've had, of course, uh, there's been a lot of failures, but the success that you can see and what we've had is only because of two things. One is reaching out. Second is showing up. Showing up. Uh, most of them, you know, there, there are times when there is networking events and I have to show up because people need to see that Smiler.ai is still alive. 
right? So making an effort to show up is going to be a huge thing on your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, that's um. There is there's a lot of um, importance in what you just said. It's quite relevant to what I'm thinking about in myself and my journeys, and I think that's really strong advice. I think it's easy to gloss over what you just said, but that's that's really true. I'm going to ask one last question, and we always ask it. It's about um, the person who is going to graduate in six months. Imagine every single one of them are about to graduate. Perhaps we're talking more dentistry and more clinical even or something in the, those lines, but what piece of advice would you give to every single graduating, graduating dentist to help them on their journey from day one? Uh, one piece of advice is not enough, uh, especially with the market and the trends and everything changing. My one first piece of advice is when you're looking for a job, find the right mentor and when and be open and ask questions. What are my mentorship hours? Do we have a mentorship plan? Uh, and and be open about it. It's not about uh, so it's not so much about um, making the right income in the first year, but if you do not have a mentor who's supportive. Uh, it can affect your entire career it, uh, because your confidence is gone. Confidence is low. You're on a burnout. You don't know who to reach out. All that can play a lot of impact over your 30 years of 40 years of dentistry career. That's my first advice. Second is when it comes to uh, doing courses, because that's where I see a lot of uh, new graduates going into get your basics right. Your checkup and clean, your diagnostics, your restorations, that simple composite or GIC restorations, um, your basic extraction skills right before you invest into something else. And if you're planning on investing into something else, look at the market trends. Cosmetic dentistry is on the rise at the moment. So plan yourself very efficiently to find the courses in that field. So that my, that's my Second advice to them. And thirdly, whatever you do, go do it with an open mind. Build relationships, not just with your patients, but also with your staff. You need to start respecting them for what they're doing because we are a teamwork. It's all about 400 dentistry. And, uh, and without building a rapport with, with your team, you can't build a successful business within your rooms. Right. You are not working. You're not an associate. You're running your own business within that room that you are treating your patients with. If you start with that mindset, you will be a brilliant business owner in the future. Yes, I absolutely love that. And in the end, your patients can feel the respect and the, the team. If the, if that's not there, they can tell. It, it's I love that. I think that's fantastic. I also really, really like what you said. Plan your CPD um, around, you know, what the market trends are, you know, as you said, cosmetic dentistry, perhaps aligners, you know, it's a big deal for people at the moment. People know about it in the population. So maybe that's smart, maybe not. CPD junkie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. Um, but I also like what you said, which was if you're ready to invest in your next set of CPD. So your point there is that you're investing in yourself. Like it's not just like because it's a lot of money you're spending. If, if, if you are still a student right now, you're going to get your socks knocked off by the price of CPD. But it's an investment. 
so you've got to make the most of it. You've got to plan it. You've got to make the right decisions there. It's not just throw money at something and expect it to stick. Um, all great advice. I really enjoyed this chat, Padma. Thank you so much for sharing this all with us on the Dental Head Start podcast. Thank you for having me, David. Anytime. This is, you know, this is the way we start giving uh, back uh, to a country that has trusted in us and uh, uh, a, a profession that uh, has made me what I am today. If it was not for dentistry, I don't think, uh, you know, I would be what I am today. <laughs> I think you're giving to us more than what we're giving the pop- um dentistry is giving to you um where where can we find smilo.ai obviously that's the website but um where else can we find you as well uh look uh, smilo.ai has its own uh, website at the moment you can definitely check us out on www.smilo.ai you can also uh, download us from the app store both uh, apple and google uh, and it's called smilo.ai you can definitely reach out to me on linkedin or facebook messenger and instagram my name is dr padma gadia And I'd love you to follow us uh, on our journey, especially on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there'll be hopefully thousands of people doing that right now. Thank you, Padma. Have a wonderful day. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, David. Ripe Global is an incredible resource, especially in these times where travel is a little bit difficult, but we're also realizing it's not always necessary for our education. Especially when we're starting our career, we just want to get as much as we can and a platform like Ripe Global's membership is perfect for that. But Ripe Global is a lot more than that. They've got the fellowship in restorative dentistry and while it's already started with the posterior dentistry course, they've just released the anterior dentistry course, one where you're going to learn about composites aesthetics, isolation, and indirect work as well. One of the hardest things to do in dentistry is a single front tooth, and this course is aimed at helping you improve that skill. Find out more at ripeglobal.com or check out the show notes and you can get 30% off a membership, all from the comfort of your own home. For this month's giving project, we want to shed some light on Filling the Gap, which is ADA NSW's charity that provides pro bono dental treatment for those who are otherwise unable to access such services. These include asylum seekers, refugees, and those who have experienced domestic violence. As always, for every repost or share and every 100 listens, we'll be donating a dollar to the cause. And if you want to give back in your own way, Filling the Gap is always looking for volunteers to help out in their clinics, which they run once a month in their headquarters in St. Leonard's. Visit www.fillingthegap.org.au to find out more or tune into episode number 38 with Kate Miranda to hear her talk all about the initiative. We also want to introduce a new partnership we have with Dental Practitioner Support, which provides 24-7 free counselling and help for dentists and students in Australia. We've always been huge advocates and supporters of mental health, so we think this is a much welcome service to the industry and we're super grateful to have it. We're excited to be working together with them, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for more information on all that they have to offer. That's it from me today. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.